0: Graham Kovic, Welcome back to Labor Wave Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. So last time we talked, we were talking about Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and <laughs> urbanizing yeah. servant class in the fictional world. This time we're going to be a little bit more grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. There is an upcoming election at the time of this recording in the IWW for the communications officer title, and you are one of the candidates in the running for that position. So we wanted to just talk about the utility of communications, like what strategy can help like improve a union's prospects for organizing victories versus strategies that can weaken them. And just have like a more of a conversation about, you know, communications technologies in general, and like what we're really trying to accomplish with any kind of media strategies um, or communication strategies. So before like really diving into all the details, could you kind of give our listeners just like a a broad view and summary of the communications officer role like what is that role supposed to be for and its intended responsibilities
1: yeah i mean it's it's outlined in the in the constitution um of the iww um it was appointed previously the membership through the previous referendum voted to have these be elected positions now and and basically the role of the officer is to oversee the communications department. So that's our our social media, our publications, our websites. You know, just any any sort of broad based communications uh, coming from the union.
0: And the IWW, correct me if I'm wrong, but the IWW has two official publications that it manages: the Industrial Worker and Solidaridad. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Solidaridad is the uh, the Spanish sort of like the Spanish uh, equivalent of the Industrial
0: Worker. So with the role of communications officer, a lot of questions come up about the utility of the department, as well as like what strategies make most sense. And we, before we had started recording, we talked a little bit about the difference between external and outward facing communications versus internal mm-hmm. facing communications. So do you want to just talk a little bit more about that? Like, What do you see as the role for external and outward facing communications for the union? versus internal.
1: External communications obviously is going to is going to reach a, a broader audience. So, you know, people outside of the IWW that tends to focus on things like, you know, contract negotiations, big strike actions and that sort of thing. Content that I think is covers events that are sort of like safe to talk about in public. And so, you know, I I don't necessarily think that we need to I think we can still retain some sort of like outward facing media content. But one of the challenges I think with that is that so much of our organizing and so many things happening within the IWW are campaigns that are in their early stages, uh, you know, things that are in early development. And, you know, while while there are these like polls and everything that show that there's like this broad-based support for the labor movement and we've got, you know, a decent sized membership, I think there's there's so much activity happening at those earlier stages that isn't part of the the outward facing media strategy. And so I think, you know, I think we need to try and, you know, have some sort of counterbalance to that and have more content coming out that gets distributed like within the membership and sort of talks about those sorts of hurdles that are happening to, to provide better tools and resources for for IWW members to get over those initial steps. Because, you know, we, we know we need to get there, but those, those questions come up in a campaign of, um, you know, there was a, an organizer in a, Social media group the other day who was saying, "Hey, you know, we're we have an active IWW committee at this shop, and this business union is coming in and passing out business cards and trying to recruit our members for their business union." You know, that's that's not something that we should really be putting out to you know to the public and spilling all those details. But it's good for members to have input and and to create resources to where we can try to you know alleviate the possibility of that happening in future campaigns. Mm -hmm. And, And that has, I think, that has to happen through more like you know internal communications and and writing and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And I think something that it brings attention to is like the strategy for building the power of the union because outside of the IWW, I think there's a lot of, a lot of opinions circulating around that really believes like an outward facing media driven strategy is like the way to get higher membership, to increase like campaign activity, to kind of grow the ranks of membership. Um, and you know, we can talk about some of the more specific details of that that viewpoint and opinion, but at the end of the day, it seems like a strategy convinced that power comes through like attention and awareness raising, you know, and just more exposure. And I wonder what you think about that. Like, is that is that really that important for growing like the membership and, you know, the power of the union, or does power kind of get built in different ways?
1: And in, in my experience, you know, I mean, I've, I've been an organizer trainer with the union. Um, I'm involved with the, the local organizing committee here in Detroit. And like, we do use some articles and, and things like that to, to reinforce lessons or to provide supplemental tools, but the, the best experiences and the best, the best methods for radicalizing people and, you know, like helping develop people into organizers and members into organizers Is the actual experience of doing it themselves. There was just one of our members just wrote a piece for for organizing work, you know, and he was he had just been starting at his workplace. He was meeting with the organizing committee, um, and this thing kind of happened like out of the blue. It was during a snowstorm, Mm -hmm. and some of his coworkers were saying, "Hey, let's have a sick out." And he was like, "Well, I'll I'll go along with that, sure." Like, you know, I'm a I'm a wobbly. Like, how could I not? You know, Mm -hmm. and the thing that the action kind of fell flat on his face, and I remember checking in with him about something else. And he, he had mentioned that. And I was like, you know, this would be, this sounds like a great article, you know? So I I put him in touch with organizing work and he had this like really great analysis about leaders in the workplace and making plans and like all of this stuff. And, you know, like maybe to, maybe to somebody on the outside, people might think, well, oh, well this was a failure. Like, why would you write about that or whatever? But he was able to gain invaluable lessons. And the, the people who read that article shared it widely, you know? And it's like, these are all lessons that we can use from real world experience that reinforce the the IWW training. And we can say, you know, these are the dynamics that we need to look at when we're planning an action and and with leaders. And, and he's sticking with it and doing more organizing and, you know, attending organizer trainings and talking to coworkers. So, you know, we, we gained a, a much stronger organizer and our, our organizing committee learned from that. And so, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's how we, how we do things. It's not from like, putting a message out there and hoping that people bite onto it or whatever. It's, you know, it, it, it comes from actually like doing the work, getting your feet dirty, getting your hands dirty. And it's like riding a bike, you know, you're, you're gonna, if you're trying to learn a bike, you're going to fall and and scrape yourself or whatever. But, you know, if you, if you have the right protective equipment and, you know, that sort of thing, when you fall, you're not going to fall as hard and you'll be able to get back up and try it again until you get it.
0: Yeah, like so much of these outward facing media strategies seem to be just wanting to gain more popularity, you know? And I guess the reality mm-hmm. is like, you don't necessarily need to be popular to win. And what you're saying about sharing lessons from even failures, I think that's really important. By the time that this episode will be out, there will be an episode with Daisy Pitkin that we mm-hmm. record it. And in that conversation, we talked about, you know, how there's this tendency in organizing circles and union spaces to really mythologize the labor movement to like create all of these like kind of surface level stories that just show like strength and power and spontaneity and like, you know, the yeah. glamorous side of organizing the general strikes and stuff like that stuff that yeah. I, you know, it's inspiring and motivating, but it hides so much, mm-hmm. you know, that of the backstory and so much of the pain and the struggles and the failures that it's like, we're always in this position of kind of like acting like cheerleaders for the labor movement. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why, maybe that's because we know we're not really that powerful right now in the, in the world of organized labor, but, uh, it doesn't seem to really be all that helpful because even though we're like creating these mythologies and like trying to be like great cheerleaders, like giving pep rallies on the sidelines for workers to go organize, I don't necessarily have, see any correlation with more organizing happening. It seems to me that what gets more organizing to spark and to kick off there's actual tangible victories, like workers will start following when they see that there's a path to victory that makes sense to them that they can participate in.
1: I have a story that, you know, people are probably tired of hearing, but like, the reason that I I tell it so often is because I think it's a, a good example of how class consciousness can be raised without these like big grandiose schemes, you know, like, without trying to force people to read ralph chaplin's general Striker or, or whatever you know i mean basically we had a we had a little argument with our boss at a sushi restaurant i was working at over changing the thermostat in the restaurant and it was something that he used to like just berate people about anytime they touched the thermostat but one time some argument happened the entire staff got involved and we got him to like cower over and put the thermostat where we wanted it and when we had a debrief everyone was like did you notice that when we ganged up on him, like we got him to do what we want? Like we should do that more often, you know? And it was like, let's do that. And so that was like the kind of like a springboard towards, you know, marches on the boss and petitions and other stuff. Cause we were like, well, we want on this little thing by just a few of us ganging up on him. Like let's do other stuff. And to me, just engaging people in those like small confrontations where there is, like you said, a, a tangible win you know, that's, that's how we raise people's consciousness. And that's how we, you know, help them gain confidence. And, um, you know, people have more, more faith in the process. But going back to my previous example, when you try to, like, have a, you know, a mass sick out or something like that, and you haven't even been having one on ones, a lot of times the impulse is like when things fall flat on your face, a lot of times the impulse is to just say, oh, well, you know, that's because all my coworkers are too conservative, or, you know, because like, you know, this this training is garbage or, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. but through some reflection, we're able to see, okay, these are the steps we didn't take. These are the dynamics. Like we need to we need this shows a little a hole in where we're at right now in our uh in the development of this campaign. Let's go back and fix it. You know, and I, I think other people will see that too and say, you know what, actually like this is a familiar situation. Like I've been here before too. Like maybe that's why things didn't work. I'm gonna go back and, and try it again based off of this new information I have.
0: With the position of communications officer, what are some of the projects and kind of priorities that you would like to see implemented in that role? Should you be voted in by the IWW membership? Like clearly you've mentioned some outward facing ideas and you mm-hmm. know, nuance that you have and opinions there, but you know, what about the in- internal side of the communications approach and strategy? And any other particular projects or kind of priorities you'd like to see the officer role take on?
1: It's something that I'd probably have to, you know, hash out further with, you know, whoever else was coming in on, on the rest of the the department, you know, because I mean, this is not a, the the officer, the communications officer isn't supposed to act unilaterally and just impose stuff, you know, it's it's a collaborative effort. And I think part of that too, is not just collaborating with the rest of the board, but with like other boards, other committees in the union, and just with with members, you know, Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to see more people writing about those sorts of stories that we told before, you know, whether it's like, here's a thing that didn't work out the way we wanted to, or, or even here's a, here's a smaller win that we had, you know, we just had a member write about, uh, you know, winning pay stubs from their employer at work. You know, there's, there's a great story in, I think it's lines of work that I read recently where they, they talked about some workers, like kind of taking over the break room and throwing a birthday party for a coworker you know but it mm. that was about you know claiming claiming space and claiming time in the workplace that the employer had denied them so i'd like to try to pull more of those stories from members i think maybe engaging with like branch organizing department liaisons and seeing if we can get some more you know more participation on that front you know and i think as well you know i mean we have the the monthly bulletin that goes out we have the the interwab you know like the the intercommunication platform and stuff. One thing that I that I thought was really cool was some of the like the the bigger strategy discussions that happened through papers like um, and you know you don't have to agree with them one hundred percent but you know there was like the direct unionism debate that happened. There's things like wobblyism. Alexis Bus, one of the former GSTs, she used to before we started calling it solidarity unionism. She was talking about you know minority unionism, which mm-hmm. was you know she had a, a column called Minority Report that she put out. And members too in a group today, we're talking about, um, you know, like the boring from within strategy or, you know, whatever, but, or even the, the communication strategy, you know, but I'd like to see more, like more ways for, for members to do more writing and, you know, g- giving more input to maybe look at some of these bigger picture questions too, whether it's talking about like, you know, elections, how to sustain campaigns, you know, just any, any sort of resource sharing that we can, that we can have that happens in a more uh, like institutionalized way.
0: So the hope there is to use the communications platform to create like kind of spaces and containers for internal forums and internal debate and dialogue that hopefully can be constructive because I've definitely seen how mm-hmm. internal IWW debates can devolve into chaos.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's kind of probably where because, like I said, like you know, there's the 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 gob, the organizational bulletin that goes out once a month, mm-hmm. and then you have the like the interwob, which is like real time. Yeah. So. And I think I think things can get like really heated over social media or, you know, whatever, you know, and so I think maybe if we just had, you know, something maybe kind of in between where, where we try to like, you know, write out thoughts on strategy or, you know, current events or whatever, but something that can be like, but yeah, I guess, I guess something that's like maybe a little more like more collaborative writing, you know, maybe looking at the bigger picture stuff rather than trying to address like immediate issues.
0: Yeah, maybe something that like forces people to kind of pause and contemplate their mm-hmm. opinions before just like immediately spouting. Right. Yeah. I think there is something to that, like, you know, on social media, it's easy to just kind of be like ruthless and go for the jugular, you know, on Facebook and Twitter. Yep. I like, you know, dunking on liberals is fun. Yep. <laughs> can be. <laughs> so why not occasionally participate? But uh, I do think there's something to be said about just like having a pause and a break between dialogue so that you can actually mm-hmm. think through what you're trying to say, what your real opinions are, like allow some like kind of frustrations to subside a little so that you can actually engage in dialogue. Right. And, um, and maybe those are the kind of the spaces currently that the IWW could benefit from having more of.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And another thing, you know, is I remember the the Seattle GMB hosted an organizing summit a few years ago. And it was like around that time where the Seattle organizing committee had like a, an external organizer manual that they were using. That manual got shared around some folks throughout the union started using it. And then it eventually went to the organizing or I'm sorry, the uh, the education department. And so I'm thinking like, that's, that's something that I'd like to try and encourage more too, is, you know, documentation from, members about like you know how are you how are you running your local organizing committee you know hopefully getting more of those sort of discussions happening you know again in a more like more official way through clear communication channels and then yeah hopefully that can eventually go to the as those resources and conversations are happening you know it'll eventually become something that goes to the education department board and becomes you know an official manual or program or whatever but a lot of, a lot of that stuff is sort of like incubated at the gmb level and i'd like to find a way more ways to um you know to pull that out and have it disseminated more
0: yeah and that that manual is really really solid and that's mm-hmm. something that in my impression it seems like the iww has a lot of advantages over other unions in that they really you know even though of course we can increase the frequency of this but the iww does seem to really hold on to institutional memory and try Mm -hmm. to like work through live documents like even the organizer training uh the first organizer training the ot 101 that i ever went to um i think it was like 10 years ago at this point i can't totally remember and 10 years ago when i went to it in boston i realized this past year returning to the training and like getting a refresher it's like wildly different like there Mm -hmm. are still some parts of it that are the same some things that i remember particularly like around mapping and stuff. But like, there is so much updated information in that. So it does seem like the IWW's strength is that it actually like is reflective and internally reflective and tries really hard to document things. Uh, And other unions just don't give a damn about preserving institutional memory.
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. I mean, yeah, it was 10 years ago when I took my first OT 101 as well. You know, and I became a trainer afterwards too. So I've, you know, I have like, manual so i think it's it's gone under it's in the third version since i first taken it and yeah i mean that that comes from lessons learned on the ground i guess again kind of going back to like the um the difference between like external communications and internal communications and the audience we're trying to reach is i was talking to some people about there was a an article that came out about like the the starbucks campaigns happening Mm -hmm. right now you know and It seemed like the article was trying to say that like the the legacy of IWW organizing at Starbucks was the current organizing happening at Starbucks now. And it's not to say anything about what's happening at Starbucks now, but I think like, I don't think that was really an accurate depiction of the IWW, you know, and I think that's reflected in our, in our organizer training. It wasn't like we had certain lessons that we learned from Starbucks and said, okay, here's how we can start winning. NLRB elections at Starbucks and contracts and things like that, you know, you'll notice, like, if you go back and you look at the the organizer training materials coming out of that time, it was like, well, you know, labor law is like sort of this, like, shield that we have, you know, like, Staunton and Daniel Gross were talking about, like, ULPs and stuff like that. And then we started realizing, well, you know what, like, ULPs aren't really that great and reliable after all. And so, like, now we've cut the labor law section even shorter. And we're talking about, like, ways to sustain committees. And so, you know, I think, like, it's it's a lot harder to have that conversation with the general public. But I think when you talk about that with, like, IWW members and people who are, you know, people who are going through the organizer training now, you can say, like, you know, these are the lessons that we learned in these campaigns, and this is how you can sustain a committee at your workplace based off of those lessons. Having more resources like the Solidarity Unionism at Starbucks pamphlet and things like that coming out of, like, contemporary campaigns, I think, too, that can sort of you know, highlight the struggles that happened, the lessons learned and, and that show how the IWW was shaped through those experiences. Yeah, I, I do think that those are strengths that we have and like information we make available to our members that usually gets like retained in like the staff and the higher ups of of business unions. And so, yeah, I think like members of those organizations tend to be kind of a little more in the dark as to how like the inner workings of of the union happen.
0: Well, and maybe that highlights like a gap for the external side of communications that could be improved is that I think you're right. Like a lot of the folks outside the IWW, like labor commentators and whatever, like well-intentioned folks seem to really have a distorted view of like what the mission and like organizing approach of the IWW is. I know that article you're talking about. And I remember a lot of folks that I talked to kind of left thinking like, what are the IWW tactics that are talked about in this article? Like, what are they even pointing to that's like unique to the wobblies? Um, And maybe that, and then there's also clearly like, I think people that are, um, you know, trolls that like to shit on the IWW Mm -hmm. uh, for for clearly misguided reasons. So like, maybe that is something that if we do need to pay more attention on the outward facing side of things and an external audience that, part of it is actually communicating can conveying more accurately, like what is this union all about?
1: And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that should be maybe part of it is like, you know, kind of looking at maybe some of like the, the bigger narrative or whatever that gets put out there about the IWW and, you know, trying to provide some perspective to that. But yeah, I I think that could definitely be a role of external community or of yeah outward facing communication. But I think trying to like, trying to keep up with like the, you know, the 24 seven news cycle and big headlines and stuff like that. I think the downside of that is, then we get end up trying to produce more headlines, right? And, you know, I've, I've been in the non, I've worked in nonprofits, uh, as like a a staff organizer before. And like, earned media is one of the big things that they always talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think what what happens with that is you see, like, you see media coverage as being this legitimizing thing. And so you're always seeking validation in the media. But then what happens is you're not really you're not really looking at like the intricacies of your overall strategy. You're not looking for, you know, any sort of holes or setbacks that you might have because the media is covering you and you figure if if the public's on our side, then that'll all get sorted out. And then you come up against some obstacle where public support really doesn't make a difference. And then you're just caught off guard you don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, I think actually a really uh, stark example of this is at the time of this recording, we're on the wave of the Amazon elections that just happened Mm -hmm. in Staten Island and in Bessemer, Alabama. And though I can't claim that I have a ton of knowledge about the Amazon Labor Union and how they went about organizing uh, it did to me come across as a very, very different approach to organizing than the RWDSU in last year's Bessemer election. So, you know, the RWDSU last year when they were like gearing up towards like having an election at Amazon, I felt, you know, labor or Twitter is very small. Even though it feels very big, it's actually not that many people. Um, mm-hmm. But like on my Twitter feed every day, I was like, the fucking Super Bowl. Like, my God, <laughs> the thing is going to, it's about to kick off. They have like, they clearly were obsessed with media attention that yeah. all of these articles, constant updates, the NFL Players Union giving endorsements, Bernie talking about it a lot. I like Bernie, but like he's always going to give, you know, <laughs> endorsements mm-hmm. to any union campaign. But anyway, it was like nonstop media cycle. And it, it did seem to me to actually even break the echo chamber of labor Twitter and actually like go beyond that a little bit. But at the end of the day, when they had their election, they got fucking trounced. Like they lost big time. Yeah. So clearly that media driven strategy. And it seemed to me like they believed that, like you're saying, media was a legitimizing force. The more you have supporters, the more you're going to like have the opportunity to leverage victories. It clearly didn't make a a dent in the margin of votes there. Yeah, But then, you know, fast forward to this year, the Amazon labor union, it's not like they're media shy exactly, but they have like social media and things. But to be quite honest, like I'm very plugged into the labor uh, news cycle and I hardly ever heard about them leading up to this vote. Like it was just not an article that was coming out every single month or week or anything. The Starbucks campaign realistically is taking up all the headlines. So it's almost like it kind of flew under the radar. And a lot of what they did was like an internal focus strategy of like constant barbecues, building up like an independent union infrastructure. Um, And they won, you know, with like a much less like outward focused strategy, more of like a kind of locally focused strategy. RWDSU also had a repeat election And it looks like they probably lost. It's like, you know, there's challenge ballots and things at the time of this recording. But I will say that even in the second round, the margin of defeat uh, shrunk for RWDSU. But I think in the second round, they also kind of like backed off of being so media obsessed. So anyway, I just think that this is like a really good example of like how the limits of being like outwardly focused and trying to get clicks and headlines like you're talking about versus something that was clearly more intentional towards the rank and file and like member to member communications.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think kind of like what you were saying, it's, it's not like they don't have uh outward facing media. It's just, they, they use it for, for certain purposes. And I think that's kind of like where we need to be at as well.
0: Are there any like communications apps and things that you think really have a lot of potential to improve internal communications and like the the strategies for media to help campaigns win? Or are you like totally like a Luddite like me where I'm like, who fucking cares <laughs> about this stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I haven't really, I haven't really seen it. I, I mean, I remember I've been a Unite Here member in the past. I've been a lifelong hospitality worker. So I've, you know, I've worked at a few hotels in Detroit over the years. And I remember going to you know, some organizing committee meetings with you right here, you know, cause they like every so often they'll, you know, they'll have some members go and, you know, they'll be like, Hey, we're staking out this hotel. You know, can you go, you know, try to talk to the bartenders, get some information or whatever. And I remember one of them was talking about like some, it was an app that they had found out about and it like, it pings your phone. And so when you go in and out of a building a certain number of times, it it sends you a text message, you know? So like, if you go to like you know, a coffee shop or whatever, you'll get a text message after you go in the fourth time, and it'll be like, Oh, you know, Hey, thanks a latte for shopping here or something, you know, <laughs> but so they wanted to like, they wanted to try and use it for, for similar purposes, you know, and say like, well, Hey, you know, we know that, that the employees obviously are going in and out of the building. So we'll start sending them text messages saying like, Hey, you should join a union. And I think a lot of times what people are trying to like reinvent is like, soapboxing and pamphleting and and that sort of thing. And, you know, whether it's a piece of paper or whether it's a text message or, you know, or anything like that, I just going back to our previous conversation, I think it's just engaging people in actual struggle that is what what gains people confidence. You know? Workers that I've interacted with have said like all sorts of things about unions and their their preconceptions about them or past experiences or or whatever. You know, but even people who i've heard trash talk unions have still acted as a union whether intentionally or not you know i had a a conservative republican coworker at the hotel who who stuck up stuck up for me to to management before she helped lead a petition campaign at the the shop one time we had a coworker at the sushi shop that i worked at And he was like, man, this, this stuff is really cool. Like, you know, it's not like some like union thing or wherever, where we're like, you know, trying to call the president or whatever, like we're actually like doing stuff at our job, you know? So it's about relationship building at the end of the day. And so publications and things like that can maybe like supplement that, but they can't be your, your main recruiting tool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that comment even about somebody acting like a union, but describing it as distinct from a union Just really goes to show how much business unions have become like so top down, not even just in their structures, but in their communication strategies, you know, like you, like people's imagination around what a union can be and what it is, is so distorted and colored by like the practices of business unions today that whole technology you're talking about. My God, I keep hearing about that. Like every fucking year Geofencing. fencing, mm-hmm. let's do geofencing fencing. And but it's like, why not just get a billboard? You know, right. <laughs> like what is the difference? Um, yeah. Like, and who are you even gonna Like, on, like not to go on a toll rant or anything, but who is even going to be attracted to that stuff? I get text messages all the damn time uh, that people are like clearly using like hustle apps and things like that. Mm hmm like DSA is constantly texting me and even I like don't engage with that stuff. So like, who is really like, who is really getting engaged and like, you know, inspired to like join a union through like a text message that they randomly get or like some website that gets like put in the advertisement box on their Facebook page. Like, it's just such a low hanging fruit kind of nonsense. It seems to me like if somebody is going to respond to a text that easily, they would probably also respond to a face to face conversation just as easily and maybe more so uh, if you just focus your strategy on that on just the workplace
1: yeah, I mean I think that's a you know a much more familiar situation for people, and I mean I think it reinforces why we organize the way that we do as well because I think you know the who the the messenger is or the the main point of communication or, or whatever is is also important, which is why like we do social mapping and things like that when when we organize is you know it's it's not just about it's not about like what the actual message is you know it's about like you know are they are they receiving that message from uh someone they trust are they you know is it um is it within the context of their like you know their frame of understanding the world Mm -hmm. you just can't do that through text messages or whatever
0: I think we should come to a conclusion here in this conversation. And as we started the hour talking about the role of the communications officer and and your own thinking about strategy, I wanted to just leave it up to you to have the kind of last word about anything else you want to share, maybe even directly address IWW members here in this upcoming election for the title of communications officer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, thanks for having me on the show. This has been just a a really big pleasure, and you know, I think. You know, I, I mentioned labor wave in my candidate statement, you know, as well as, you know, organizing work and, and other projects, you know, because I think I think the most effective means of communications are things that have a, a message and a line that but also that encourage members of the union to, you know, to give their own perspective. You know, and it's it's good for us to play a role as like facilitators in that. And I think we do need people in those positions and and that's why I'm running. But, you know, I'd, I'd really, whether I get the position or not, I just, you know, I'd like to see things become more member run and more participatory and, you know, see uh, see the IWW actualize itself as as much member run as it can possibly be.
0: Well, with that, thanks for joining us again on Labor Wave Radio. Good luck in the election. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show again soon. Thanks, Alex.